All right. So uh, this is our very, very first uh, podcast without any video. Uh, <laughs> so for those of you who can't see me, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Scott, and uh, I have across uh, the table and sort of uh, throughout this podcast, Robert. Hello. Uh, today we are going to uh, we're going to talk about a coffee, coffee from Congo, um, and we're just going to have a conversation. That's that. That's hopefully the theme of. Uh, of what we set for these podcasts is this idea that uh, we're talking a little bit more in depth about the coffee, but we're also letting it be a little more organic and seeing kind of where this conversation goes uh, around the concept of having a cup of coffee. But uh, this particular cup of coffee uh, is from Congo. Uh, we have it in the shop right now. Um, I did a little uh, Wikipediaing um, to <laughs> discover a little bit more about Congo, so uh, I, I found out some facts. Uh, alternative, <laughs> alternative facts. facts <laughs> alternative. I believe they're real, but anyways, uh, Congo is the is is pretty large. Uh, it, it was called Zaire for a while. Um, it um, I think it is the second largest country in Africa. And by itself, it is the 11th largest uh, state or country uh, in the world. So they've got a little over 80 million people. Um, it, one time, obviously, like much of Africa, uh, was meddled uh, with through colonialism. And I believe the Belgium, uh, King Leopold, uh, kind of really turned that country sideways for a long time. Uh, I do remember reading a book years ago called The Ghost of Leopold. Um, it's an interesting book, but it also uh, highlights uh, the horrors of colonialism, empiricism, and why some of the country is still uh, stricken with civil war and, uh, and a sort of nationalistic uh, tensions between different ethnic groups. Uh, but anyways, this, outside of the sad story about Congo, this coffee, uh, and this is a coffee that I find uh, when we bring coffees in, we bring Rwanda, Burundi, and Congo when we can. Congo is kind of the, on the interior, but it's surprising because it stretches all the way uh, to the west, and it actually touches the Atlantic Ocean, a little bitty wedge. I had no idea. Oh, so weird. it's like almost from the center of the country where this big lake is, Lake Kivu, yeah. And then it goes west into this tiny little wedge where it actually touches the Atlantic Ocean. This is so... I didn't know that. I, I thought it was further east. Well, it is. It's yeah. both. It's, it's both. like huge. So, Double. Um, but anyways, uh, this, cof- this particular coffee and the coffees we've had in the past from Congo and kind of the coffees we get from Burundi and Rwanda, they all border this lake region, mm-hmm. Lake Kivu. Uh, and this coffee is no different, so there's a... Uh, sort of west coast of Congo, which touches the Atlantic, a tiny little wedge, and then there's the east coast, which uh, borders many countries, including Rwanda, Burundi, uh, Tanzania, I think a little bit of Uganda, but uh, touches against this uh, water region, this Lake Kivu. So this is where this coffee comes from. It's from a co-op that's, uh, I think, about 6,000 farms. Uh, It's very interior in terms of Africa. Uh, it's very poor. I mean, it's probably hear that often. A lot of these regions are are poor, but this one in particular seems to be particularly poor. 
Uh, a lot of these farmers don't have electricity or running water. Uh, this coffee is fair trade and organic, so it has all those certs. Uh, but we did not buy it for that. We bought it because it was super tasty, and it just happens to be a benefit. Um, is the uh, co-op structure similar to the Ethiopia exchange? No, so this is this is a so the exchange is a government-run thing, right, right. and I guess they've changed the rules this year so you can buy more direct lots. But this is just a group of small farmers, and it doesn't really say from the paperwork that we pulled on the coffee. Uh, by the way, we uh, got it from Cafe Imports, so thank you, Cafe Imports. Um, it doesn't really say on the paperwork, but I think co-ops usually form because these farms are so small mm -hmm. that they can't do all the milling and processing and then exporting and so they kind of in this region come together uh, and then collectively they can get drying beds and and, sure. and I don't know if they have mechanical dryers or what but they have uh, more resources uh, that if everyone chips in a little bit um, so uh, a few other things um, this cooperative is called Sopakti uh, my pronunciation may or may not be correct. Uh, the varieties or varietals that this lot com comprises, uh, it says Bourbon derivatives. So I don't know if that's different, like pink, Bourbon, you know, uh, just, uh, you know, different varietals within the Bourbon kind of family or derivatives from Bur sure. the varietal. So, and the elevation is about 1,400 to uh, 2,000 uh, meters above sea level. This is a completely washed uh, uh, and sun-dried coffee. Uh, so that's the starting point for this coffee. When we get it in, uh, basically Robert and I start looking at this coffee. So we uh, kind of see where we're going to put it on the menu and in the lineup. Like this coffee, uh, for, in this instance, replaced Burundi. And again, I think there's a relatedness. Yeah, and yeah. so it was a good follow-on. Uh, they're both kind of in the same growing season, if you will. So it was an end of that Central African growing season as we move into the East African growing season or in market season, right. uh, if you will. Um, and so what we typically do is uh, Robert and I will talk roast curves, which is, I don't know, boring but not boring. <laughs> <laughs> and we will then uh, roast up the batch. Either I'll do it if it's the first one or uh, lately Robert's been doing it. We'll let it sit for a couple hours. Uh, or a day. If we're, if we're fortunate and not pressed, uh, we will uh, give it a full day. And then we'll start drinking it in the shop. We won't sell it in the shop. We'll just start drinking it and talking about it. And I think we only did two iterations for this. Yeah, had, I feel like the first one was a little smokier, maybe. Yeah. And then we I think we might have pushed, or something. pushed it or something. Yeah. So this is the second one. So... Uh, uh, so, I'm monopolizing this whole thing, and I invited Robert to uh, spend his evening here. So, I, I want to turn it over a little bit to Robert. Um, I'll just highlight, Robert uh, has been with us for about two years now? Almost two and a half. Wow. Maybe. Time flies. I uh, started out as a barista, uh, and then started doing production roasting, and now is doing some original uh, profile roasting for new coffees. Uh, so he's uh, pretty integral to what we do. <laughs> I mean, everybody's <laughs> in integral, but uh, 
without uh, coffee, uh, we are screwed. Yeah. So, uh, so, as he said, he's been here for about two and a half years, but he has a history. And so I would like to introduce Robert and let him kind of um, give you a little uh, flavor on his life and uh, what he does here. Um, yeah, I guess I've been working here about two and a half years now. Uh, I've been working in coffee in St. Louis pretty much since I moved here, so five or six years, however long it's been. From um, where? From Illinois? From I was in Illinois. I grew okay. up in Alton, so not too far from here. Um, yeah, I worked at the Gelateria on South Grand. Which is also a roaster, yeah, right? You started that program. started that program there uh, with my friend Kyle at the time, and then... From there, what else did I do? Rise. I worked in a warehouse for a bit. <laughs> and then I got tired of that and started working at Rise Coffee. And then I was working with Aaron at Rise, and he said that Scott needed some help over here. And we sort of set that up, and I started working some barista shifts at Sump. And then I was working at three coffee shops at once, and that was a little hectic. Where else were you working? I was still at Gelateria oh, roasting. Wow. And then working Rise almost full-time at Rise, and then working a couple shifts here. So it's a lot of coffee. A lot of coffee. And I've slowly swung to just here. To so. singular focus. Singular. So um, I think that speaks to the coffee community a little bit here in St. Louis, is that it is small, it's competitive, but kind of like every specialty coffee community in every city, um, there's a... Everybody sort of knows everyone, uh, whether directly by working with them, uh, for them, or just having coffee in their shops. Um, Rise is uh, uh, one of the cafes that we roast coffee for. Um, and Aaron, actually, before he opened Rise, or before he became a partner in Rise, uh, worked here at Sump for a little while as a barista. Uh, but I would like to kind of... Uh, you know, coffee talk, it's exciting for people who are into coffee, but people who aren't into coffee, uh, maybe, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I would like to highlight that Robert is also a competitive uh, bicycle racer. Is that correct? Competitive is a strong word. Well, you, yeah. you yeah, like velodrome, indoor, yeah, yeah. indoor track, and you, you won something. Or you play second. I got second. In yeah. two races. I think uh, that's pretty good. I've never even been on a velodrome I mean, track, so I think that's I was pretty happy impressive. With it. So... Um, <laughs> I'm pretty excited for you. Um, Thank you. Uh, and, um, and like, just for people that don't know anything about this, including myself, how many velodrome tracks are in the country? It's very small, there, right? Yeah, there's about, uh, I, th I think it's still under 30. So we have a really poorly maintained one here in the city at Kings Highway and 70, basically. Mm -hmm. And it was built back in the 60s I believe and it's first year in operation they hosted a national championship event here Wow! and since then rather than sort of maintaining and repairing it they just paved over it with multiple layers of asphalt every couple decades Yeah. so it's a pretty bumpy surface right now not good for speed not great for speed <laughs> but yeah this past weekend I was able to travel to South Carolina and race on a really nice track yeah and it was it was pretty awesome it was awesome yeah it sounds fun um 
All right, so on to the coffee. Uh, so again, this is the, the Congo. We're going to be casually uh, and non-awkwardly talking <laughs> as we try and develop a personal relationship over the... No, I'm kidding. Um, so again, the, the Congo. So I think what we like to start a little bit with, uh, without being too formal, is kind of the, the idea of what you might find from a cupping form without numbers. So we're going to kind of... Uh, talk amongst ourselves here about kind of how the coffee smells. How does it, how did it smell when it was dry? How does it smell now that it's been brewed and extracted? Uh, and that's kind of the beginning of the experience because usually when you get the coffee, it's a little bit maybe too hot at times to drink immediately. And so it's the aromatics and basically what you're kind of drawing in through the cup that, that gets your attention first. So um, for me, uh, we just ground it, um, uh, and and we brewed it as a V60, uh, and the numbers were like 25 grams of coffee to 350 grams or milliliters of water. Uh, the temp of the water was probably around 203, 204. It's hard to tell, like once it starts coming out the spout, you know, it depends on room temperature and other things. Um, it's pretty hot out, so. Yeah, it's, it's so, so it, might, it might have gotten hotter. It is really hot today. It's, it's very miserable. So anyways, well, I, my first smell, you know, I wanted to keep this casual and not so rigorous, but my first impression was just grinding it and dry was, um, I, I, I got celery, but it was a sweet celery yeah. was, was kind of my first impression. Yeah, I, I think that the Congo, the Burundi, when we've had Rwandan coffee, they always have a certain, you hesitate to say vegetal, but it is kind of vegetal, Yeah. but sweet. Uh, it's almost like the sweet qualities in other coffees, but with this like earthy filter attached to it or something like that. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't really know how to describe it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think uh, everything you said is the characteristic of the cup. It's yeah. um, herbaceous, it's earthy, but not dirty, earthy, like Sumatra. Um, They're very interesting coffees, and I'm not sure if it's always based on the varietal, the terroir, or the fact that they're so landlocked Mm -hmm. that they probably sit somewhere in the heat before they make it to a port and then get shipped out. Um, But, yeah, I think that that's a good characterization of those three countries, those three coffees. Uh, But there's... That's just the kind of aromatics, but the cup doesn't necessarily always hold that right. to be true. Sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Rwanda sometimes like raspberry, and Burundi's got you know tea and orange. I feel like the Burundian coffees we've had have always had a super lime-like quality. Yeah. Especially if you pull in the shots. Yeah. Um, we haven't pulled this one. Yeah, we, uh, didn't you do to, an EK? We did like some EK shots. Which is like 14 seconds yeah, or something? It was pretty good though, you said, right? I didn't, right. I didn't have it. <laughs> I didn't have it, yeah. Dylan didn't like it. Uh, well, Dylan, that's another story. <laughs> um, so anyways, that was kind of the dry impression. I feel like the brewed impression is much sweeter. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, maybe a little... I want to say woody, but in a good way. Yeah. Like woody, like tobacco. I think it's kind of uh, like cakey. Cakey? Like like what kind of cake? 
chocolate like a, cake? Like a cake pop. Like a cake... Oh, like you when know? people bring those cake pops. Yeah, in. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but sweet and doughy then. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but baked as opposed to that kind of gritty, flowery, pre-baked cake pop. Cake pop. Cake pop. <laughs> cake pop. <laughs> what kind of icing? No. Um, maybe like a, a, a yellowish icing, uh, but yeah. not a lemon. Just food color. No just flavor. Food, yeah, just, just food, food color. <laughs> <laughs> just total food color just icing. No, icing. Just flavor. yellow. Just yellow number five. No flavor, please. Hold the flavor. Hold the flavor. <laughs> It's all about the cake, but I gotta curate the shell for the for the cake. So it's the yellow number five shell. Um, it's just what it's like. Yeah, I can see that. I, I could. The sweetness is kind of like what I find surprising. Yeah. Um, not unexpected because that's what. I mean, we hope to produce that. Right. We hope to produce sweetness, and some sort of fruit note where, where possible. Um, so there's a little dryness to it. There's kind of Definitely. this syrupy kind of sting to it. It's yeah. like viscous, like tartness, but really pleasant. Yeah. It's like those like bags of soda syrup before they get carbonated. Yeah. Or yeah. diluted. or yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's like a hot syrup, but <laughs> not off-putting. Like, you know, hot, like not temperature hot. Like in the best way. Yeah. Like a, <laughs> like, like. Like something that's over carbonated, that kind of hot, like, but not being metallic. Yeah. No, it's very, I mean, right now it's very, I feel like it's all these different things, like fruity and sweet, but again, with that sort of like earthiness, not really muddling it, but definitely like, yeah, being filtered through that sort of profile. Yeah. Not like, savory, like beefy or anything, but just like savory, like jackfruit sort of thing yes yes i think savory fruit that's what i like to say it's hard and sometimes if you if you let the cup lead you with its original its kind of first impression nose i think you will continue to ride through on that note of something herbaceous or celery but i don't i don't get that and i don't feel like that i'm predisposed to find those things and usually I don't like to drink coffee with people who find those things. <laughs> I mean, if I have to be honest. <laughs> I, 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 I prefer the non-savory palate coffee drinkers. But they're out there. And it's real. And it's real. It's in the flavor wheel. So you got to give them. You got to believe the flavor wheel. You got you to gotta, you gotta give them credit. But, uh, yeah. This is like, it's a little warmer in the carafe still. It's got a kind of like watermelon rind sort of like that super tart melony flavor right now mm. yeah a little a little like pith finish mm-hmm. yeah exactly but non citrusy pith yeah I could see like watermelon or, or thicker rind yeah, of yeah. fruit oh, it's good I love this coffee <laughs> we, only, we only got three bags so we uh Usually when we book coffees from these three countries, we, um, we kind of go light, I feel yeah. like, because of the 
Dun, dun, dun. Because of the chance there might be a potato virus. Sure. So that's something we don't really talk about, but I don't know much about it myself. I don't think the industry knows much about it, but there is a defect, and they call it potato virus. It is a non-observable defect, I guess, at this point. So you can't see it when it's green. You can't see it when it's roasted. But when you grind the coffee with this defect, it basically smells like a raw, wet potato. It's pretty funky. And it, it will, it will like, fill the entire shop. Yeah. So And it's just one bean will blow the whole deal. Uh, Which is crazy. But so every year it's different. So I feel like for the most part, this coffee, I haven't seen it. Maybe once or twice. I don't think I've seen it in this coffee at all. We yeah, got it I, a little bit in the Burundi. In the Burundi maybe. on the tail end, yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like this is this feels pretty immune, uh, but you never know. You know, year to year, you get. We had one last year actually, um, and speaking of rise, uh, and they they got it. Oh yeah. And they and Aaron was. That was uh, was that a Rwandan? That was a Congo. So one oh. week from that lot we got last year, they got it, and they they got that, and and now it's a no go for them. But um, I do feel like it's kind of uh, some coffees just are earthy. Yeah. And people smell that. And yeah. It's a lot like it's like analogous to gluten. I feel like like <laughs> people are like I'm gluten intolerant, and some people actually are. Right. And some people are just like creating this. Right. Idea. Right. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes if you know something exists, and then start it, seeing it. It's like a yeah. it's a self-induced Jedi mind trick. Yeah. <laughs> it's like instead of telling stormtroopers, you're telling yourself, "This is a potato virus." This is the potato. This you're is looking the, for. this is the potato <laughs> in this cup that you're looking for. But anyways, if you ever get it, and it's very obvious. So really, if you ever get it. And after hearing this, you become susceptible to the potato Jedi mind trick. Uh, it is really apparent. If you if you have to think it's in there, right. it totally doesn't it's exist. Yeah. If it like if it smells like you just cut open a sack of potatoes and then quartered those potatoes and then like motorboated those potatoes, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what the potato virus sounds like. <laughs> I mean, smells like it could sound like that too. It might, too. Sound, like it might sound like that, but anyway. So we <laughs> kind of moved very quickly into the aromatics uh, brewed to kind of our flavor impression. Um, I really don't think we can milk this cow anymore in terms of those notes. I would say the body, relative to kind of the lineup and the coffees we produce, is is definitely on the bigger side. Yeah. Uh, it's not as light as something uh, like the Reiko, which you know we kind of intentionally roast the washed Ethiopians a little lighter. They tend to have a softer mouthfeel, more tea-like presentation. Um, this is also roasted light, but it just ends up being developed such that it's got a bigger mouthfeel. Totally. I feel like a little more viscosity, or maybe it's that, that syrupy impression, that yeah. sting that makes it feel... Bigger creates a, you know, uh, maybe that rind-like finish. Also, is like very lingering. Um, all, in my opinion, all pleasant. And then sweet. The sweetness, sure. I think, is 
we've kind of already covered that. And it's not like a saccharine sweet. It's not a white sugar sweet. Yeah. It's very... I think it's very savory sweet still. Like like a savory fruit. Yeah, 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 yeah like, yeah, like right. jackfruit. Like or... I can't think of the one without the other. Yeah, yeah. I'm not... being like, I feel like I'm not being honest if I say, oh, it's just sweet. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, I totally, you know? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, right. It's not just a one-note coffee. I yeah. find it very complex. I find it, uh, I, I, it, in my opinion, it's got a lot to offer. Uh, yeah. But again, we have not really played around with it as an espresso. So we're not really uh, clear on how that will present itself. Uh, we typically don't change the roast profile uh, for how we brew and how we pull shot, or how we do espresso. So um, I don't think we would change anything. We just treat it as like a brew method. If yeah. it works, it works. The one reason we're not doing it is because we have so few bags and we have other coffees where the lot size is bigger. Yeah. I mean, we could though. I now that we've got the the grinder kind of burr changed and yeah, recalibrated, yeah. we could probably do Pulse that. Tomorrow. Yeah, um, I feel like it'd be really orangey once we got it. Well, do you remember it. anything? It was the body was awesome on it. I remember it had a really thick crema, which I feel like our coffees usually don't present that way. Right, unfortunately, it was. I was sweet, yeah. acidic. Yeah. It was a 14 second shot. So, so it was br- brighter. Mostly I was just surprised yeah. that it tasted as good as it did. That was even drinkable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was a 14 second shot, but you uh, dialed the pump down to like two bars of pressure and. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, so overall, I think to sum it up, I think there are notes when you grind it that suggest something more herbaceous mm-hmm. and green, celery. Uh, as you brew it, still savory notes, but more fruit savory kind of. Yep. I think jackfruit's a really good example. I didn't really even know what jackfruit was until maybe a year ago when I was at Whole Foods and they had the jackfruit burrito. Oh yeah. And uh, and that and it presents almost like a pulled pork. It's yeah. kind of stringy, and then you put it in a sauce. It almost looks like pulled pork. So good. And then I saw a jackfruit. And it's like a, the as big as a human head or something. Oh yeah, they're like they're ridiculous. Like the really scary looking. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I I would always say before I got a handle on jackfruit, and I don't think everybody's familiar with jackfruit, but kind of like savory, like the direction of a papaya mm-hmm. or guava is like you know that's probably more lush, but there's this kind of funky, rotten aspect to those yeah. fruits that, so. I think it's a really unusual coffee. I think it's a, I think good cups from Congo you don't see often. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you know they're just hard to get out of country because of all the civil war and the strife, uh, or because they're not scoring high enough to end up in specialty shops. But uh, I feel like this year is particularly good, much better than yeah. the one we had last year. Do we? It'd be interesting to know both how much coffee they are exporting as a country and how much of it goes to specialty versus yeah. commodity grade yeah. importers or suppliers. Or right. And I have no idea, actually. Uh, I know uh, from reading the fake news, <laughs> from reading Wikipedia, I know that uh, a lot of what they do for GDP is raw materials. Okay. 
so natural resources. I know that China is pulling a lot of those resources out there right now and partnering, helping, I guess, build infrastructure probably to get some of that out, but also as a give back. Um, but I have no idea the extent of coffee, yeah, yeah. Um, how hard or easy. These notes say that this coffee, uh, again, and these are not my firsthand experience, but that this coffee, uh, well, this co-op and coffee from this region uh, first achieved top national grade, so I'm not even clear what that is, uh, beginning in 19, 1967. So it's been a while. And then they got interrupted for a little while because they had a civil war. Um, and just kind of FYI, uh, since we are using this cheat sheet, uh, <laughs> the Cave Imports team uh, believes this cup is raisin, coffee cherry, tomato, savory, caramel, tart, and lively. And I would agree with n not a lot of that. <laughs> no, I would say that like how we roasted it. I would say that how we roasted it. It is savory, but I, I don't get any any like tomato. I don't get tomato. Uh, I, like that's more of a classic Kenyan. Um, I, I really kind of really defer to you and the jackfruit. I think that kind of a savory fruit. And that tart, lively acidity, yeah. I totally agree with that on the finish. I think that gives the cup a bigger mouthfeel. I guess coffee cherry. I mean, like cascara. Yeah. It's got that kind of muted but very apparent sweet aspect. Yeah, so that could be the, the sweetness in the cup. That's kind of like a, a honeyed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. About raisin, I get no raisin. No raisin. No raisin. Well, now, now oh, that I read the notes, now, read it. now that I read the notes, is it more of a craisin? I get, I get a lot of raisin. <laughs> Tons of raisin. Tons of raisin. But I get it more in the form of a grape. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a. I get it more in the form of a grape that sees the future. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't know. Maybe raisin. Maybe not. But anyways, I think this is a great cup. Uh, I really enjoy it. And I think, uh, I mean, I feel right now we have such a good lineup. That's hard for me to really pick a coffee. And I usually fall in love with the newest coffee. Um, I think the Reiko for a minute was distracting me. Mm -hmm. But before that, I was really crushing on this coffee. Totally. And, uh, and then every once in a while, I'll step out on both of them with the Columbia. So, but I, I, I like this. This is like, for me, this is a, I, I usually have this coffee once a day. Yeah. I feel like this, the Congo and the Colombia are the two most similar coffees we have right now. I think they're both very complex. Yeah. With those like funkier, savory, sweet notes. Yes. Which is interesting because yeah. they're completely different. Right. Coffees. <laughs> right. And terroir and yeah. everything. Yeah. But I would agree in that that Columbia, uh, which we did a little video on this already, or I did, sorry, Robert wasn't involved. Um, so I take all the blame. Uh, but yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a tremendous amount of complexity in the other coffee, that Columbia, but there's also a, the savory mm -hmm. f 
fruit or I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I'm often hesitant to tell people that because sometimes savory for these coffees not Congo, but just coffee in general, yeah, yeah. can mean like beef stew yeah. and big celery notes. Yeah, yeah. And Which I think is more of a... I've gotten that in Ethiopians with that like peppery note. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if the tomatoes too dialed up in like a Kenyan. For sure. Those are yeah. pretty off-putting savory notes in my opinion. Yeah, the... The tomato in the Kenya when it's like paste, <laughs> that is just I can't even, I can't appreciate that. I can't even like acknowledge like tip the hat to you, sir. <laughs> it's just no, it's just no bueno for me. I mean, I like a hint. I like more like I like the way I like to characterize it more as an heirloom tomato. Yeah, like a little tiny, like sweet. It's like it's tomatoey, but it's not this mass produced. Conte kind yeah. of whatever. Uh, but anyway, so enough about the coffee. I think we closed the door on this one. Um, and now I think, I, think, I think it would be a good opportunity for uh, Robert to share a little something about himself. Uh, and, and it's not a Barbara Walters thing. Uh, like if you were a tree, what tree would you be? Uh, or I saw this Theresa May interview recently. Uh-huh. Where this English news personality, it's on John Oliver, so I don't want to destroy it, uh, ruin it for you, but this woman said, what is the most naughty thing you've ever done? <laughs> and yeah, I don't know, Theresa May, if you guys seen Theresa May, uh, the PM of uh, Britain right now, uh, she hesitated, like stumbled, like really like, oh, what, what's appropriate, da 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 She's like... Well, and it was a big long pause. You could see some eyes like looking left, looking right. She said, Well, when I was younger, I don't think the farmer appreciated us running through fields of wheat. <laughs> that was naughty. It's so naughty. And you can imagine what John Oliver did with that. So I, I recommend you, you at least find that clip on YouTube. But so this is the thing that um, I would like to make a segment, and I hope it's not too corny. But where uh, I ask Robert or who's ever on the podcast, um, if you could have coffee with somebody, not your most fetishized person, but if you could have coffee with somebody living, dead, fictional, imagined, you know, if it's a unicorn, whatever, who would it be and why? And um, mine, so, you know, I feel like I can't ask people this unless I have something prepared. Uh, I came up with Caravaggio. He's a famous painter. Okay. Uh, but he was a notorious bad boy. So there's this thing that I've, I've said a million times that if I could go back in time and go to art school and live, like, less fearlessly because, you know, I ended up not, like, reproducing and having kids and all that stuff so I could maybe have made different life choices, I would have tried to be a painter, right? I just... I, I did a little of that, but I got scared. And now I don't have the 10,000 hours to put in. So right. when I look at the Caravaggio's work, um, it's super interesting and very technically astute. And I feel like he developed techniques, at least dealing with light, kind of like Rembrandt did, but in different mm -hmm. era, that really elevate painting. Uh, but he was also a bad boy. 
and maybe he killed some people. Maybe he almost <laughs> got like excommunicated by the Pope. Uh, so, and he was a hard liver. So I figure, like, you know, it's neat to to be in awe of somebody so naturally gifted, yeah. who's also so destructive. And you know, they, they have these tendencies that you know I would have to work my ass off to get anything just kind of moderately passable in terms of a painting. And this is somebody who probably trained, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying he woke up with a brush and it was awesome, but he more than likely squandered some of his talents and lived a little recklessly yeah. and uh, having a cup of coffee and maybe a beer would be, would be an interesting thing for me. That is interesting. <laughs> I think the, the sort of tug between natural talent versus work ethic and seldom does somebody get blessed with both. Yeah. So like people either kind of suck at something, but they just really want to do it, so they work their ass off. Yeah. Or they're like really good at it naturally. Yep. And either way, it can be a cool sort of beautiful thing. But right. Which is an interesting aside. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 I think it's interesting too. I mean, talent in any form, just to see someone have a natural pro- proclivity, even mm-hmm. if they have to work at it and, and develop, you know, um, versus, you know, you get up and you have a work ethic and you're like, you know, going to put your 10,000 hours into right, that right. thing that makes that you want to do and you become, you know, you have aptitude, but you also put that time in yeah so i'm sure both are equally tortured sure but i think uh i think if i had a coffee and or beer afterwards (laughs) we'd start with coffee with caravaggio we'd maybe like go to a studio we'd look at all the shit and be like oh man and then we'd go have coffee and he wouldn't be obsessed like am i good enough am i whatever he'd be like hey look at that I don't know what his sexuality was, but look at that boy or girl and like, you know, let's go break some stuff. And I'd be like, dude, I got to go home. I got to go to work in the morning. And so I feel like it would be interesting. He would, you, you'd see the art, but it is more like maybe a Hemingway where you're totally like living the art and not obsessed with being more of a mechanic and creating it. Why not? He's, I have no idea. I know very little. I hope he's not a terrible person in history. <laughs> you should know Wikipedia. Yeah, I have to go back in time. And and the reason I even know about him, really, is because I read this really awesome book. Uh, it's probably like 15 years ago. It was like called The Lost Caravaggio. Okay. And it was about this church somewhere in Europe that had an actual Caravaggio. And because Caravaggio lived a, a shorter life, there aren't so many works. And they're, so, uh, they're all amazing. They did all this detective work to find that this piece was really a Caraggio and whatever authenticated it, but they also told the story a little bit about the person, Caraggio. And uh, I I don't know, the book was written really well, and so I think sometimes the storyteller is is as convincing as Mm -hmm. the story being told. Sure. And so I've always had a fascination with him, the artist, not the author. Right. Um, Who knows who that was? Yeah, I can't... Sorry. <laughs> it was a really good book, though. 
whoever you are. Who, you should have put your name in more of the pages that I was reading instead of on the cover. I was like, I probably lost the dust jacket and all that. you like, footnote, I am. And don't forget. And don't forget. I wrote this. I wrote this. Mm-hmm. Just every couple of pages. Yep. Anyway, so uh, spin the wheel. Sure. Over to you. What do you think? Uh, I feel like I have a couple of responses. Uh, the most vague one being, I would just like to talk to uh, whoever started roasting coffee first. Because, like, why? <laughs> you know, like it's it's my it it blows my mind that there's good coffee in yeah. general. Yeah. Because it's. Most of it's bad still, yeah. even with all the technology uh-huh. and networks and economics behind it. But people just keep yeah. making it. Yeah. And it's totally at this point, it's just like after a century of marketing it to like, at least in America, mm-hmm. just to like the working man or whatever, right. we all just drink coffee now. Yeah. But no one likes coffee when they drink it the first time. So It's like a dare. Yeah, it's yeah. like a dare. Yeah. And then you, like... Toughen up. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just think it'd be interesting to find that person who was like, you know... Right. This, like, really sour fruit's pretty cool. Yeah. But what if I, like, burnt it? Yeah, right. And steeped it in hot water. Right. And then, like, maybe ground it. Yeah. Or, like... Yeah. There's a lot. It's like the first person who's like, I'm going to drink milk from that cow. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I think so, it would be okay. I th- it should be fine. <laughs> it should be fine. Came from a cow. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I totally agree. Like, it, there's a lot of steps. Yeah. E- even when you buy a bag of beans, there's still a lot of steps yeah. to making it right or making it wrong. Yeah. And so, yeah, that first person who's like... I mean, because they do so much now, right? They pulp it, and then they have to dry it, and it gets a certain moisture, and they, sh- whatever, ship it. So that this person was like, squeeze it out, two seeds. Hey, Let's try this. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then what? They had to eat it, and then they're like, you know, I bet it'd be better if we could drink it. Yeah, because <laughs> oh, yeah, you can't eat the seed. Right. You so can, it's too the hard. Whole, like mythology is Kaladi's goats eating this cherry oh, right. and getting yeah. caffeinated yeah. or whatever, and yeah. he's like, oh wow. Right. Something on that bush made them right perk up. It's probably a little caffeine in cascara. Yeah. But. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a, I heard this apocryphal story that people didn't start to form cities or civilize until the recipe for beer was written down. And so they started forming a permanent establishment so they could get beer. So they could <laughs> distribute it. So, like, you know, I, we need to come up with, like, a... A more a, a little bit more exciting myth yeah. than dancing goats. Yeah, yeah. And so, it, yeah, it's good that it started with a goat, but you know, but for but for people drinking coffee, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I read that. I read something. I, I'm making this up. Um, that <laughs> years ago, to have a business, you had to have like. Um, Kind of like a patent from the king, queen, yeah, whoever, yeah, sure. and then so you then had the 
kind of monopoly or trade thing to do it. So some of it was for cafes where they sold coffee. And during times of like civil unrest, they would get rid of those decrees because when you go and you go to a cafe and you're drinking coffee and you're thinking about revolution, the ideas only come quicker and faster right. and sharpen. When you're at a pub and you're thinking about revolution, it only becomes sloppier <laughs> and messier and just reckless and like, yeah, yeah. oh, screw it, man, I love you. <laughs> but coffee's like, no, no, we cannot never forgive them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so it just yeah. amps it up. Much more aggressive. But yeah, I think I've never actually thought of that. I've never heard anybody say anything like that. Like, what was that group of people thinking? <laughs> like, it was right, like, they were like, like maybe there was a fire and some of the trees burnt mm. and they picked it up and they're like, oh, this is better than when it's green, maybe. Yeah. And then as they were kind of like sucking or crunching these like roasted charred seeds, then they're like, and then it's like when you have this stream of consciousness and idea with people and it's like, what if, yeah. what if we crushed it and made it like a tea? And then we right, could right. travel with it, soak it. I mean, because it's really almost unbelievable. It is. That could have happened because we take so much, like, fucking scales and, yeah. and you know, everything so high end to try and deliver something here. And how yeah. haphazard and casual that might have been. Well, and I think it really sort of throws a wrench in this idea that, like, progress is this linear thing where we've just been basically taking exploded diagrams of espresso machines and just swapping out parts for the last half a century. Right. Which is, like, not innovative at all, really. Versus this yeah. all came from somewhere. Right. Where people had to, like, invent the process in the first place, not just, like, tweak a process. Right. And I just think that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like what we do is kind of what you said not we, we just make coffee, but people that make uh, equipment. The royal we. <clears throat> the royal we. Um, what they're doing is they are, in general, getting finer and finer degrees of control. Yeah. So instead of it being like, oh, well, two degrees, it's fine. Now it's like two hundredths of a degree. Right. Stability or pressure or whatever. And uh, it's good for reproducibility. It's good for a customer experience. But as you said, is it really like... I mean, the person is like, Let, let's take this thing that's totally unedible. <laughs> that's a seed. I mean, because not other seeds. Like, we don't, like, harvest apple seeds and, like, right. make brewed beverage out or of Maybe them. they did. I don't know. But yeah. And this was it just, just didn't the work one out. that won out. It was like, hey, coffee's easier. Yeah. They're like, there's more fruit on the apple, so we're going to do that yeah, fruit. Yeah. And there's less fruit on the cherry, so we're going to use the seed. That yeah. was probably how it worked out. That's exactly. <laughs> I think I read this. Wow, okay. Farmer's Almanac. That's a good one. Thank you. The Goat's Almanac. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I want to obviously thank you for taking the time after spending uh, the whole afternoon roasting coffee. Yeah. Uh, which is not cool. And I mean, it's cool, like, hey, Fonzie cool. Yeah, but it's, it's very not, Fonzie. It's not temperature cool back there. No, it's hot and, today. <laughs> and it is, it is not temperature cool anywhere today. Uh, so, anyways. Cool. 
Thanks, man. Thank I appreciate you. it.